Okay, well, let's pray for Byron. How's that sound? Let's do it. He needs it, Lord. I'm just kidding. Lord, touch Byron, Father God, today. And I just pray that you would stir up inside of him, Lord, those things that you would have for our church. Thank you, God, that he is, has been open to you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you've brought him to a place of openness in his life. And Lord, we want to receive through that open door into our body. So Lord, pour out into us today. And Jesus, for us, I pray that you would open our ears. Open our ears of understanding, Father, that we would not just hear the word, but that we would, it would sink into our hearts. That it would go through our minds and sink into the, the minds of our hearts, Lord. Thank you that you've been preparing and softening our hearts in the Spirit. And today, God, I pray that you would impart to us those things that you want to impart to us. Hallelujah, Lord. All right, everybody good, right? Yeah. So, just in a second, we're going to... I'm, I'm just going... I was told milled up there. I'm going hip. I know that's an old saying. It used to be hip. was the, used to be the modern thing. I don't know what they call it no more, but... I'm using a, I got a little video clip we're going to show. That's being hip in the church. You know, you're doing videos, you know, you're having props and, yeah. Driving a Harley on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, I want you to, this is a video about the way maybe your life has been this year. Um. But God has, a, God has a purpose and a plan to end this season we've been in, this season of storms and difficulties, and God wants to deliver us from that. But we'll get you a good visual. If somebody could turn the lights off back there, and we'll let this video roll here. Anybody felt like that? <laughs> yeah. It's like we've been in the... In the perfect storm, I, really. I mean, did y'all know that movie was based on a true story? Yeah. That's incredible, man. But I know a lot of people have gone through their own personal storms in their life. And it's been, and, the, and I think our nation is, you know, we've obviously been in like an economic storm. And, and a lot of people have gone through personal losses and difficulties in their life this year. This has really been a storm a year, a, a year of storms. Um, but, but unlike them characters, we're going to get to the other side. Because the Lord is in the boat with us, and He promised us that we'd get to the other side. But uh, so that's really what I want. Really, honestly, this month I have felt like the Lord told me to do something this month, and uh, and end it today. And so I've been trying to talk to you for this whole month. If you've been paying attention, or if you hadn't been, that's okay too. It's, that's between you and God. But uh, been talking to you, man. Mercy, Lord, help me. Somebody help me. Yeah. About your heart and about how your heart has to, to be. If, if, if we're going to come into something different, it has to come from the inside. We have to, to change from the inside. And I shared earlier, you know, we sort of grew up with the fact that God uh, doesn't always deliver us out of our circumstances. You know, but He will deliver us in our circumstances. In other words, He would change us on the inside 
where our circumstances no longer will affect us the way they are. And that's really a pretty high-level deliverance, really. Although God does want to get us through circumstances. But I think in many ways God wants to change our hearts. So our circumstances don't do to us what they did at one time. And we will see how to walk through those circumstances and walk right out of them. See, that's the greatest revelation. It's not making some uh, physical change. Uh, you know, that, sometimes God does that. But really, I believe the Father's heart is to change us on the inside so we'll look and clearly see from His perspective and, and, and walk right through the situations where it'll be a true change, it'll be a lasting change. Because many times, I mean, just to be honest with you, we change. We try to change our outward, but we just take our old, sorry, beat-up self to, to the next situation. You know, <laughs> nothing really changes. Maybe outwardly it changes, but we're still messed up. So... You know, I want to talk to you just a little bit more about that, but uh, to get you to this one thing I want to do at the, at the end, and uh, hopefully we can get a download from heaven, which I believe we will. I want to give you a couple of scriptures, though, right quick. First one, you know, just to make this like an official message. <laughs> I really like to just jump to the end and do it, but I don't think the Lord wants me to, so. but I would in a heartbeat, because that's really the best part. Proverbs twelve twenty five. It says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. That word for anxiety there in the Hebrew, I'm a Hebrew, last week I was a Greek expert, this week I'm a Hebrew expert. Uh, neither one, really. Buy a Bible soft version 6 or whatever it is, and it's got all that stuff in there. It, anxiety means, in the Hebrew, that word there, sorrow, fear, and heaviness. Sorrow, fear, and heaviness. So sorrow, fear, and heaviness in our hearts weigh it down. It's a heaviness that comes on our hearts, and it weighs it down. In the New Testament, there's a thing called the parable of the sores. And one of the grounds that Jesus talked about in this parable was, was a good ground, but it grew thorns in it. And he said the seed, which was the Word of God, was sown on this ground, but the thorns, the, the, the word came forth, and, but the thorns choked out the word. It suffocated the word. So get this picture. The word of God, the thing that God has put in you is just, there's something choking you and suffocating you. <laughs> she fights back. <laughs> suffocating the life that's in you and keeping it from being able to be released in you first and then out into your, you know, us surrounding you. And that's, that's what really happens to a lot of believers. They're suffocating. They're being choked to death. By, and Jesus talked about some things like the, you know, pleasures, but he also talked about the cares. Cares of this life. Difficult situations. And see, that's what's happened to a lot of people. It's because of the situation, the circumstance, the cares of the things going on around us, our finances, our, our losses, all these things that are happening to us. They have weighed our hearts down. They have choked the Word of God out of us. And it's, and, and it's quenched in us. And here we are. We're, and I shared with you one, one of these messages about where Jesus was walking on the water. I mean, they got scared and they thought they were going to drown. They, you know, all this crazy stuff was happening. And he said... You know, he, he admonished them about having... He said, you, you, don't you remember the five loaves and two fish? I did this wonderful miracle, and you didn't even get it because your hearts were hardened. Remember that? And, but he wasn't... The hardness of that heart was a calloused heart. It wasn't a heart that was hardened through sin. It was a heart that... Because the, it was a hardness that came on like calluses come up because the heart was so overworked. 
had been overworked by emotions and by feelings and, and all these things and by giving and giving and giving that the heart grew calluses on it and no longer was able to receive and no longer was able to perceive. And so here the word, the spiritual world, Jesus was doing miracles. He was doing all these things around him and they were missing it all. And I promise you that has happened to a lot of people this year in this room and in, in the body of Christ in the United States. God doing things, God doing, but their hearts just wore out and overworked Full of anxiety, full of sorrow, full of heaviness. Um, let's look, put Proverbs fifteen thirteen up there. This is a pretty interesting scripture. Uh, it says, a joyful heart makes a cheerful face. Now, there are certain ones of us, I realize, that have a joyful heart. Yet your face is not caught on to it. Yeah, you know that, right? You know, you tell us, how you doing? I'm doing great. Well, tell your face that. It's because they have been in such bad times so much in their life, they face has kind of conformed to that bad time and it never got the joy on us. But God wants our face to be cheerful too. But listen to this. But when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. When the heart is sad. In other words, when the heart is heavy, when the heart has sorrow in it, when the heart has fear in it, what is in you spiritually, your spirit, man, it's not talking about our spirit not working. It can't work. It can't, it can't be released into our heart realm. And touch us first and then be released out of us because the heart can't, is not in shape. It's not in a position for the spirit, your spirit, where the Holy Spirit is and your spirit is to flow in your life. Are you following what I'm saying to you? So that's what's happened to a lot of people this year. Is, is you know, the, the heart being sad, the heart being heavy, the heart being full of fear. Okay, anxious about the future. Anxious about what happened, the things that happened to them already. It has caused their spirit, in a sense, to be broken. It just won't work no more. So you see a lot of Christians who really had fire on them, really had zeal on them, suddenly they don't no more. And it's not because they've fallen into some deep, dark sin in their life. It's because of the heaviness that they're carrying. It's because of the sorrow, the fear that's in them. Are y'all following what I'm saying to you? See, this, this is a key for your heart just as much as a key for getting your heart healed from wounds and hurts and, and disappointments that we that we carry around with us. But Jesus gave us a word. Uh, it's a real simple word, how to deal with this. It's Matthew 11. Let's read that. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. We're all very familiar with this, if, you're, if you know the Lord. It says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let me make a, a quick comment about that. Here's the one thing I have learned about connecting with the spiritual realm. If you want to connect with the spiritual realm, there's one thing that has to be going in your life above everything else, is that you have to be at rest. If you're not at rest, the harder you try, the more you cut yourself off. You get, I, get, I get the most revelation, I get the most from God when I'm at rest, when I'm at peace. I'm not striving, I'm not trying to get it, I'm not trying this, I'm not trying that, I am just letting. That's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. It says, let it, let, you know, he who has ears here, let him hear. It's just an allowing. You're not trying, it's, you're letting it happen. Are y'all following that? I just wanted to throw that, throw that out there because it, and it's talking about, it ain't, you can be working like a dog in the natural. You know, you can be out there cutting grass, sweating away, but it's an inward rest is what he's talking about. He's talking about an inside rest in, in, in you, your heart being at rest, your heart being at peace. Okay, anyways, back to the, back to the subject matter. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble where? In heart. See, see, here's what Jesus is trying to tell us. This thing that he's saying, Okay, this thing he's saying is the burdens that we carry and the yokes that are on us, they're not outward. 
They are of the heart. If you, that's where when the Lord gives you a burden, where does He put it at? He don't put it on your physical shoulders. He puts it in your heart. Your heart is what carries the burden of the Lord. When you are yoked to the Lord, He doesn't yoke you physically. You know, He don't tie a, 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 a yoke around your neck and start jerking you around. He ties it to your heart. Your heart's connected to His heart. It's an inward thing. And what He's saying here is if, if you are carrying burdens, if you have a Christian life of heaviness, if you're a heavy Christian, you're walking all the time, oh, I'm so, you know, I just had this burden for the church. I'm just so heavy for it. Something's wrong. Because Jesus said that. He said it right here. He said it in black and white. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When, when, it, when it becomes anything else, when our fall on the Lord becomes something else, besides light and easy, as a very wise man said to me recently, you are believing a lie. Period. There's a lie somewhere in you that's telling you you've got to be something else. You know, a lot of believers will get into this thing trying to follow the Lord, trying to do something for God, and they're just tore up on the inside all the time. At some point, we had to question, is this really the burden the Lord's given me? If, if I'm going to die over the dogged thing, you know, you know what I'm saying? If I'm going to die over, uh, you know, starting this ministry to, to, you know, prayer ministry in the church to pray for a second. It's going to kill me. Something's wrong with that. I mean, heck, I didn't think God called me to die over trying to get a prayer ministry going in the church. You know, in other words, you are doing something that God has not placed on you. You've taken a burden into your life that God never gave you. And, if, and, and I'm going to tell you, yoke speaks of direction in life. Yoke speaks of where you're going. And so if you've got a burden in your life that, that, you're, that God hasn't given you, it can be the most spiritual burden in the world. You know, it could be something wonderful that somebody else may have that, you know, like going to the nation, you know, but he never called you to go. It will lead you astray. You will go down the wrong highway. Are you following me? So that's what happens. Uh, so, but here's Jesus' point was, you, you want to get rid of your heaviness? You want to get rid of your fear that's in your heart? You want to get rid of your sorrow? Who wants that? Who would like to unload all that stuff? Well, heck, I, you be, Jesus said, here's, here's his great answer, his most profound answer. Well, come to me. Just come and give it to me. Come to me. This is how you're going to get rid of it. You've got to come see me about that. In other words, you need to make an appointment with the Lord and say, I need an appointment with you about this deal. Because I've got fear in me. I'm scared. I'm scared about my tomorrow. I'm scared of the dark. I'm scared of, you know, I'm scared of, I'm scared of Sarah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Matthew should be. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, maybe not. I'm sort of scared of Becky. When she tells me something, I listen then. I'm telling you that right now. When the wife speaks, lots of times they have the word of the Lord. They tell you something. They start telling you about yourself. You better pay attention. Like, uh-oh, God has given me his first warning shot. <laughs> That's why I take it. You know the old shot across the bow of the ship? That's what they would do they, in, in, in the marine battles. They would shoot a, a, a cannonball across the bow of the ship to let the ship know, next time it's going into the ship and we're coming on board. He said, whatever you're doing, you better stop and stop now. Well, that's sort of the way I take it when Becky says something to me. It's like God has shot the first shot across the bow of the ship. I'm stopping. I'm not, because next time God's going to shoot that thing right now, I'm going to be sinking. Damn, I'm going down, man. I don't want to go down, Lord. I'm repenting. Here I am. It's the truth. I'm, I for, forgive me. If you do that, man, you'll be, 
in not much trouble with God. You know? Anyways, thank you, Lord, for wives that love the Lord. Amen. Now, if we could get the wives to believe in that. <laughs> okay. Anyways, back to the subject matter. Psalm 84. Let's read this one. And we're getting close to what we're going to... This, the, how blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Now, you see what he's saying? He's talking about your heart. Your heart is going to direct you. Okay, your heart determines. And he's saying, Zion, of course, Zion is the place of the Lord. And Zion is where God is. God, God, Zion is God's holy habitation. And, you know, so that's where God wants us all to be going. And, you know, that's the direction of our life. And, and that man is blessed who has that. I, uh, the New King James says, Blessed is the man who strengthens you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Because our life is a pilgrim, pilgrimage towards, you know, ultimately towards heaven itself. But, you know, as we walk out this life, heaven's important. You know, heaven really has gotten important in the earth. You know, I mean, in lots of ways. Uh, actually, heaven has gotten really important to me by, you know, heaven on earth. But heaven itself has gotten more. Have, being and going to heaven's gotten more important to me. It's increased in my life. I got more people up there than I know than I've ever had. I want to see them again. I want to be with them again. Heaven is real, real near and dear to me, and it should be to all Christians, because heaven is our home, and that's why we should pray for heaven on earth, you know, because we might be shocked at some of the things that could happen on earth if heaven on earth came. I've thought about, you know, we think about, you know, there's no sickness in heaven, there's no curses, there's, there's no, no war, there's no this and there's no that, uh, but what is in heaven? The Lord's in heaven. Your loved one's in heaven, possibly like in the Old Testament, no, in the New Testament, I just thought about that. They, dead people were walking around. People who had died came back to the earth and were walking on the earth. When Jesus, you know, when he was crucified and died, graves were open. Isn't that wonderful? That was heaven on earth. I don't know. People don't think that way. Did you know this? Let me just tell you this little secret. You know the guy, the young man, I know y'all are interested in this. You should be. This is fascinating. The young man in the Bible where it talks about there was a young man who was at the Gethsemane and he said, I got, I'm using up my Easter message. <laughs> Anyways, this young man had a linen cloth on it and the soldiers went to get this young man. He took off running and he ran away naked. Do y'all remember that story in the Bible? Guess what? I did some research on that young man because I had heard for years it was John Mark probably. I found out it was not John Mark. I found out that in those days, that is how a, a person of wealth, when they were buried, they were buried in this, if you studied the Greek, the Greek experts back in on you now, this linen cloth was a burial gown that people who had wealth, okay? They were buried just in this linen. They were, you know, didn't have no underwear, none of, none of that. Don't be thinking that, okay? And so what happened, this young man, when Jesus died, he, he, this young man was raised from the dead, can you imagine his mom and daddy, or wife, you know, young children at home, and he shows up there at the house naked? Because <laughs> he ran away now. I'm thinking, what did he do? I mean, he was naked running around town. <laughs> but I'll tell you this, it's because the power of God got released there, and it raised this person from the dead. You know, and he was already buried. And there was other, it said old saints came up, but that's another subject. But it could happen. It happened in the Bible. It could happen again. 
I'm sort of believing for that. Anyways, um, passing through, listen, verse 6, back to this. Passing through the valley of Baca. Let me tell you, Baca in the Hebrew means weeping. It means, it means sorrow. And it note it says a, a person whose heart is set on pilgrims, a person who is going after God. It, the Bible is telling us you are going to go through a place of tears. You are going to go through a place of sorrow. It is inescapable, especially for the person whose heart is set towards the Lord. It's a lie to believe anything else. It says there is this valley you're going to walk down into. But it does say you're going to pass through it. Okay? It's a valley of sorrow. It's a valley of despair. It's a valley of pain. And ladies and gentlemen, we have found that valley, I hate to say. We went into that valley this year. A lot of people went into it personally, but this church went into that valley. Okay? This church found that valley. And it says this, the early rain also covers it. Well, they make it a spring. And see, that's what really has to happen. There's two kinds of springs that are going to come. Okay? There's two types of springs. One, it would be the springs, I believe, of compassion. Okay? Or it could be the springs of bitterness. Whenever we go through difficulties in our life, we have a choice. Either something sweet's going to come out of our life or something bitter's going to come out of our life. God's either going to make us, we're going to, we're going to and this really is up to us. But if we will choose the, the sweetness, if we will choose the thing that God created it for, it says the early rain also covers, uh, covers it with blessing. In other words, if we will choose, when we, go through, when we go into our place of sorrow and our difficulty, our valley, if we will find God there, if we will find the Lord in that place, and instead of becoming embittered, hard Christians, we will find the blessing of the Lord. God will begin to pour something out on us fresh and something new. Okay? Now, that's the truth. I know people who've done this personally. I've done it personally. had my own personal little individual thing where I found my little valley, my little pool there. And I found that God would really bless my life. See, I've realized one thing we had to do. One, here's a good sign for you. If you can look back over the past few, few years of your life, and instead of seeing all the bad, you can begin to be thankful for what God did for you. That's what happens. Uh, let me read this. Uh, this is important. Okay. Uh, it says in, in Genesis 41, 51 through 52, Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh. For he said, God has made me forget about all my trouble in all my father's household. You see, that's a healing right there. Where God, when you look back, you don't look back at all your failure. You don't look back at all your disappointment. You don't look back at all your loss and all your hurt. You, that somehow God causes It's not that it disappears. It's not that you don't literally physically in your organic brain remember it. But it's not a thing of sorrow. You look back and you see all that God has done in your life. You see the blessing of God rest on you. You see the purposes of God in your life that were fulfilled. Okay? And then he goes on. See, that's one part of it. See, that's the part that really God has really has helped me to get to that Manasseh anointing. Where I can see in my life, I can see the blessings of yesteryear. I can see the blessings of what has happened in my life. And I've seen the goodness of God more than I've seen the sorrow. But he named the second Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. 
God has made me fruitful. See, that's really where God wants to take us. He wants to take us into a place of fruitfulness. Okay, so when we, as we've gone into this place called the Valley of Tears, the Spring of Tears, the Spring of Sorrow, God's heart and intention was for it to make us fruitful. It wasn't to take us out. It wasn't to destroy us. Are y'all good? So here's what happened. Let's look at, now I'm shifting gears on you. Okay, I hope you get your heart healed, fixed. Because this is what God wants to see. What really is what's going on, in, I believe, in the United States. I know in, 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 a lot, in a lot of people's lives in this church, I believe for this church, okay, is that there's a new anointing that God wants to release. Okay? There's a, it's a new time. It's a new anointing. There's a promotion. There's, a, there's something God wants to give us. Okay? But if we are still bitter about yesterday, forget it. If you're still whining about yesterday, you're, you can't. It means your heart is, is not there. That's why the heart's so important. Are y'all with me there? Anyways, I want to read Acts 8 too. And this is, it says, Some devout men buried Stephen and made uh, loud lamentations over him, which means they cried over him. Right? That's what it means. And of course, most of y'all know, I'll just tell you real quick for those who might not know. Remember Stephen was a deacon, you know, and he began to move in the power of God. And all of a sudden one day he had this major encounter in Acts 7 with the religious crowd. I mean, and just, you know, he scalded them, really. I mean, he, it was like he burnt them down. Okay? And they couldn't deal with it. The only way they could deal with it was kill him. And that's what a religious spirit ultimately wants to do with anything of the Holy Spirit. They want to kill it because they can't kill the person and get them out of the way. That's the only way they can do it. So they killed, they murdered this man. They murdered Stephen. And they had to have a funeral and bury him. And that's what was happening here. I think they, they, everybody said in the first service it was this year. Do y'all, Larry Randolph, y'all remember when Larry Randolph was here this year in our church back in whenever it was, February, something like that? Larry Randolph gave us a message. And if you remember the correct, the message was titled, Burying Your Stephen. Remember that? And then he had us go through this funeral in our church service. So we had this funeral where we buried Stephen. Stephen was what God did, the move of God from yesterday. You've got to bury that, you know, so you can move on. That was a great Sunday, wasn't it? It was an awesome Sunday. Right? I thought it was pretty awesome. I really did. I'm looking at something. Uh, hang on a second. This is this is for this message, okay? <laughs> that was a great Sunday, okay? How many people in this room thought when he was preaching that that we were going to have to literally bury one of our Stevens? Did anybody in this church think that? Did anybody in this church dream what was going to happen to us a few minutes, a few moments, a few months later? None of us dreamed that. None of us dreamed that we had this wonderful spiritual time that Sunday, but nobody knew that we were going to walk down that road. I'm hollering. <laughs> she said I never hollered in church. I'm sorry. 
You know how terrible that was? I know you do. It was terrible. It's one thing to read about it and have a wonderful church service about it that's where Stephen is some guy or some move of God or something. But when Stephen was Matt Stewart and you had to bury him, there's another story. All of a sudden, everything changed. Suddenly, this thing got really serious. That scripture got real serious. I mean, really serious. That got mean. I mean, that got hard. All these scriptures about the Valley of Baca, they're not something on the pages of the Bible. They're something you are eating. Who wants to eat that? Nobody wants that to eat that. And I thought, Lord, I mean, we hit the bottom. I mean, we hit a bottom. I mean, I think a lot of people in this room have been brought down to the bottom. You know, personally, in your personal life, you have hit bottom at some point. Many of you have because God uses you in powerful ways. And, and everybody has to hit bottom. It's called being broken by God. Okay? It's a brokenness that has to... Every Christian, is, if you're going to be used by God, brokenness is going to be something that you're going to have to face. Because if you don't face that, God only can't really use you. I don't care how anointed you are. I don't care how called you are. I don't care how much destiny and purpose, all that will never be able to work because your soul was locked up. And because your soul is locked up, your spirit, man, and the anointing in there. But once God brings you through, when God brings you down, and then He brings you back up, there's a flow that can begin to happen in your life, and, and things begin to happen. But this was the crazy thing. I've been to the bottom. I've been to the bottom with other people. And there are distressful moments where they just were at the end. But I thought, Lord, this is queer. This is crazy. What is this? What is this bottom, Lord? Because I've never seen a bottom like this. I've never felt a bottom like this. It's a corporate bottom. I have never been in a church. I've been in churches that have gone through some bad stuff. Most of it was stupid. You know, we just we messed up. We just messed everything up and ruined everything. But I've never been in a place, a church, when a church hit the bottom, a corporate bottom, where we, it wasn't Byron that hit the bottom, it wasn't any other person. This church went to the bottom and touched the bottom because God did a corporate breaking on us, whether we knew it or not. And that was what was really happening here. And in the next few verses, you know what it says? And Saul began to ravage the households. What he would do, he would, they would go in. Now think about it. Here's these Holy Ghost. Jerusalem Community Church. I mean, they got a Holy Ghost move of unprecedented proportions. You know, everybody, I want to be a, you know, jury, you know Acts 2 and Acts 3 and all, all the church. Mm, man, I mean, think about it. One day you're sitting at home, your wife is sitting there, you're at work, and people come and grab your wife and drag her out of the house and throw her in jail. That was what was happening. Or your husband calls you from work and says, I'm in jail. They drug me away from my desk at work. And have put me in jail. That was what was happening. The houses, people being ravaged. They were just, they were taking the Christians out. Now you think about a church going through something. I mean, they were, they were, they were down. They were, they were at the bottom. And then, but then it says, you can read all this in Acts A. I'm just giving you my little version. Then it says, but Peter, no, not Philip. Philip went down to Samaria and began to preach the gospel. And it says the 
everybody was paying attention to him because of the signs and the healings that were being done at his hands. And it was such a powerful move of God that the apostles went down there, you know, and helped them, you know, receive the Holy Spirit because he didn't, Philip didn't, for whatever reason, didn't, didn't lead them into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He just got them, he, got, he was getting them saved, getting them healed, getting them delivered. I mean, that was pretty good, though. I mean, you know. But the apostles wanted to make sure they could grow personally as, as personal believers, and he, they wanted him to get filled with the Spirit also. They'd have, have everything that God had for them. But think about it like this. Here, here was, now this is the thing for you and I. Philip, before that, was a deacon. And a deacon in, the, in that day, your job was this. Cook food, clean the tables. That was his job. That was their job description. Okay? But when, after he hit the bottom, he got a promotion. Now, I don't want you to confuse this in your mind because he got a promotion and became the evangelist, okay, after that. And he became known as Philip the Evangelist in the New Testament after that, okay? But you could be claiming yourself to be an evangelist now, and God could say, but I want to promote you to be, to be a servant of the tables, okay? I just want to make that clear. I'm not trying to say that serving on tables is a low-level job in the kingdom. It was for Philip because God had another destiny on his life. Are y'all following that? Okay, I just want to clear that. But, what, but here's my point. God is, has a promotion. God has a new anointing. Okay? God doesn't bring churches down. He doesn't bring people down like that for the sake of doing it. He brings them down to bring them up. Okay? He brings them down to bring them up. He brought this church down because he wants to bring this church up. Because God has a promotion and God has a new anointing he wants to give us. He has personal new anointings he wants to give people in this church. He wants this church to have a new, something new, something fresh on it, something more than, than we had. Can we put my sign up there, Brian? I'm not trying to make this too intense for you. Well, I think some of you kind of remember this, like if you were here a month ago, we put this up. Back years ago when we changed the name of the church, it was a promotion for this church. Calvary Community Church, that season we were in was an awesome season, but God was done with it. And God showed me a vision, like going down the interstate, and it's like the interstate, the highway ends. It's over. This is over. This is done, and you've got to get off the exit. That's the way I saw it. So we made this little sign, exit now. The road is running out. It ends. This is over. Okay, well, here's the vision the Lord gave me for us. I see a dirt road. We've been going down this nice road. It's been nice. It's been fun. But the road's in it. It's going to be an old dirt crummy road with potholes and mud holes. And I haven't done enough dirt roads in my life, Lord. But there's this scenic highway. Get the scene. There's a scenic highway that God wants to put us on. And I see this brand new road. It's, have you know what brand new pavement looks like? It's like new payment's been laid down for us. Okay? That's really what God has for us. It's something, it's a promotion, it's, it's, it's an upgrade from where we've been. And I believe it'll happen to people in this room personally and corporately. If we'll let it, if we'll let it happen. Okay? And that's the key. Now, now here's the, the shift, okay? Are you wanting from one more shift? Oh, I wanted to tell you, first of all, to get this. 
uh, just so you know from a real biblical perspective, is King David, and everybody knows about David. King, actually, a lot of people don't realize this, but King David was, was anointed three different specific times to be king. First was by Samuel, when he was still at home, you know, out there feeding the sheep. They had the family going, and now we're going to anoint him. And, of course, nothing really happened very good for a while there in his life. That was his first anointing. And I'm going to tell you, we could find this, everybody in this room, in terms of anointing, you can find this in your life. You get this anointing, but nothing really happens. Then the second anointing was basically uh, the men of Judah, I think that's Second Samuel 4, went to him. Just Judah. Now, this is when all of Israel, all the tribes were together. Just the men of Judah said, we want you to be the king. So he became the king over just Judah, one tribe. Okay? This was after Saul had died. But Saul had some people still in place. They didn't go away easy. Okay, so there was still a battle going on between David's men and Saul's men that were left after Saul had died. And they were over to all the other, is, other tribes of Israel. The elders of Israel one day woke up and realized the handwriting on the wall is David's the man. These guys are being diminished. We need to go get the guy who really God's called. So they went to him for the third time, Second Samuel 5, and said, David, will you be our king? In other words, you, will you be king over it all? So you see, David, he had an anointing. He got a greater anointing. And finally, he got the, the final anointing that he was supposed to have. Do you all follow that? And see, that's really what God does with people. That's what God, and that's what God does with some churches. I don't know about all churches. I'm just speaking for us because I can't speak for God has a greater anointing for us. Okay? And greater things for us and different things for us. So, anyways, I had this dream this past summer when Matt was killed... Okay, and Angel knows I'm talking about this morning. She, I got permission to talk about this. Cause I know this can, can be hard. When he was killed, I didn't have any dreams. And I dream all the time. That's one of the ways that God speaks to me. In fact, let me just tell you this. If I ever come to you and say, the Lord gave me a dream about you, you would be very wise to listen to me. I'm serious now. Because when God gives me a dream about people, I have one, to date, I have 100% accuracy on those dreams. 100%. Every dream I've ever had about anybody in this church was, has always been God. Now, that, that may, I'm not saying I'm special. I'm just saying because I'm a pastor, that's one of the ways God talks to me about people in the church. And I've had people in the church, I no way that ain't the Lord. And it would always be, oh, yeah, it will mean. A couple of them took a couple of years, but it happened. I'm not trying to promote myself. I'm just saying that's the way God speaks to me. So I got, I realized this summer I was not having dreams. Okay, and the way I realized it, I was exhausted physically. Okay, and so I went to the beach, and the first night I went to the beach, I slept and dreamed like a maniac all night. And I woke up and thought, man, I haven't dreamed. And I, I, I just ain't sleeping. I'm not getting into that, what they call rapid eye movement sleep. Because that's when you dream. Y'all know that, right? And I have confirmed this by the medical people this morning. <laughs> the doctor. You know how your eyes move? When you're in ra- you know what's happening? You're dreaming, and your eyes are following the dream. That's cool, isn't it? I, I think it's cool. Like, here you are, your eyes are moving. There's a dream going on. But because I was messed up in my heart, okay, my heart was full of sorrow. It was keeping me from resting. So I wasn't sleeping. So, and, of course, you know, that kind of thing will compound on your life because you'll get tired and you'll get, you'll get wore out. But then I went and got away and went, went and slept at the beach, and just slept and slept and slept like I'm, and slept late one day. I mean, slept about 9 o'clock, which is late for me. And just got really rested. But I did have one dream this past summer. I had one dream. And that's what I want to tell you about. Because I've, I've said something, I mentioned to you before, that dream is for now. It's for today. Okay? 
And here was the dream. I walked out. In the dream, I walked out into the parking lot. And I was standing out in the parking lot. And Matt Stewart was out there. He was in the gravel park. And he was talking to children. I think he was talking to his children. But I realized later, I felt like the Lord said, number one, there is a visitation from the Lord coming to the children in this church. That God's going to release something from heaven to the children in this church. So he was messing with the kids, and then he stood up. He was like he was done with them, and he turned around and was walking. Like, actually, he was like walking that way towards where I live. And I said, Matt! <laughs> I called him. And he turned around, and he looked at me, and Matt had this look on him that I've never seen on a Matt Stewart face. You know how Matt Stewart was. Matt Stewart, the last time he was in church, he sat right over there and poked at me the whole time and talked about my bald head. That's <laughs> what he did. He was always talking to me about my bald head. That was his number one topic of conversation. He talking to me about how bald I was. You know? But he looked at me in that dream, and he had this seriousness on his face like I have never seen on his face. It, he, was, he was a man on a mission. He was dead serious. He was like, don't mess with Matt Stewart. I said, uh, he said, and he said, I've got to go. That's what he said to him. I said, Matt, you don't have anything for me from heaven? And his countenance softened. And he said, yeah. And he said, come over here and touch my hands. And he raised his hands up like this. And I walked over there and I touched his hands. And I got this download from heaven. And then he, he just went on. And uh, so I waited to d- today. Today is the day to do it. I was about ready to check it out and doing it in the first service. I was really fumbling through it. And in walks Mike Stewart, Matt's dad. Came and I thought, nah, that's got to be God. If Matt's dad's here, God is saying, I've got to do this. Because I really, all this stuff I've been talking to you about your heart, it was all to get to this point. This, I'm telling you, I'm just being straight with you now. You want me to be straight with you? I want me, I want just trying to come up with messages. I'm telling you, God wants to give us something. God, God gave, what Matt gave me was not for me. It was for this church. God, Matt gave us something, Okay? There's an impartation that he's given us as a church that we can receive. It's something from heaven that we can have that the Lord... And I had one other dream about him recently, and it was a little bit different. It's back to the normal Matt. Well, him and Angel were having an argument in this dream, like, you know, how husband and wife argue with each other. And I was going to go talk to him. I thought, forget it. <laughs> I'm not messing with y'all. Y'all fighting. And then, but some other things happened in the dream... You know, and but then me and Matt were in a field together, and he said, I'll "Tell you, I want to tell you how to pray for Angel." He told me some things on how to pray for, her. and me and Sarah prayed for her last Sunday. Actually, it was, he told me this dream. So you see, I believe all this is real, and I believe God has something He wants to give us this morning. You know that Matt and. It, Okay, I ain't gonna go through all the dead stuff, dead people, and all that. Hey, I, like I told you, dead people came back alive, man. I mean, what if that happens again yeah. <laughs> on the earth? Well, at least in the dream, he was alive in the dream. He's alive in heaven. So, what I wanted to do this morning, I wanted to give you that. All right. So, Mike, you think you come over here and help me do that? Because you, you're dead. How about you, Mandy, Jr. Bob, Judy, can I ask Angel now? You can say no, Angel. All I want you to do is just touch people's hands. If you don't want to, you can say no. My dream, okay, my dream person in this church to get to pray for me always is Angel. You okay? You sure? 
You're going to have to sit down. See, I think this would be good for Angel, actually. So what I want to do is what Matt has given me. This is his family. Uh, this, is, this is Angel's dad. You all right, Dad? Yes, you sure? This is Judy. Okay. That's not Angel's mom. That's stepmom. So, yeah, she's a mom. And, of course, this is Angel. Everybody knows that. And this is Manny. This is Matt's, Matt's uh, sister. And, of course, this is Dad, Matt's dad. And this is J.R., Mandy's, Mandy's husband. So they have Matt in them as much as anybody does. And so I wanted them, if they will, what I want to do is, you know how I did it in the first service? These people came in and I touched them. I gave them what Matt gave me. You've got it. You, you know, if you've got it better than I got it, really. And I wanted for you, if you want this, okay, if you want this download from the Lord, if you want a gift from heaven, then we're going to give it to you. Okay? Angel, you don't have to touch nobody if you don't want to. Just you being up here is good. In fact, I probably you don't need to do that. Just but having her up here is a good thing. So, God wants to turn, you know, our mourning into laughter. God wants to heal us. God wants to promote us. God wants to give us something from heaven. So that's what we're doing. So if y'all want to, you can just come out here and get one of these people to touch. I'm not asking them to pray some prayer over you. Just touch your hand. Put your hands up and let them touch your hands. And that's all. And by faith, just receive it. And Andy will play. You can go back and sit down or you can, you can go home. So. Hmm?